You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey everyone, I wanna welcome you to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. I'm Jacoby with my good friend and co-host Jerry. In every episode, we're bringing you honest conversations about what really matters and how to create success without sacrificing the things you love the most. And on this week's episode, we're gonna be talking about the best is yet to come. So the question is, are your best years behind you or are your best years here to come are they coming here in the near future man when you uh shot me the message that this was that this was going to be the topic this is the very first thing i thought of right here and wait till you see that sunshine day you ain't seen nothing yet the best is yet to come and babe won't it be fine Old Sinatra, the best is yet to come. Yeah, I like that, man. I, I don't know much about Sinatra, but uh, I like his uh, his attitude and his inflection, you know, in the, in that song there. He's like, yeah. the best is yet to come. Yeah, this may be one of those areas that we are showing uh, the difference in our age, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but it's complimentary. I like it. Yep. Anyway, so the best is yet to come. And this is always an interesting topic when this comes up. And I always think of the, you know, you always get these high school kids. And I remember being when I was in high school, people would, had said this. And as somebody, I've worked uh, with our youth group in our church for, I don't know, like 22, 23 years now. And so I hear students say this a lot where like, man, these are the best years man, it's going to be so awful leaving high school because, you know, this is this is the best time of our life. And that just makes me, you know, that makes me sad a little bit inside to hear stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's good on one, one side because, you know, you're, you're enjoying the time that you got right now. And then, you know, on the other hand, you know, it, it comes up with the question of, are you planning out what's coming next? Can you see a future? Like what what comes up? what comes up next. And so that's kind of, that's really where I came up where the topic kind of came up for me is, uh, you, you know, obviously here in Midland, Texas, you know, we back in, when I played football in high school, we won three state championships. We were actually dubbed national champions by ESPN one year. And so those were really fun times. Like those were great times uh, in the past. And you know, oftentimes you talk to people and we reflect on those. And sometimes it feels as though people just get caught up in the past, you know, looking at the past and seeing that those were really good times and times right now, just, you know, especially with everything that has gone on this past year as well. Past year, past week. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. So 2020 is gone. We were looking forward to 2021 and 2021 started off with a bang, right? And so when you look back at those times and you look at what's going on now, you know, I just think that's a good thing to reflect on for one and just also a good thing to think about because 
how you see things and what your perspective is, is going to determine the future. And so that's really what got me thinking about this whole topic. Yeah. Before we dive into it, I want to back the conversation up a little bit. You said you won three of four, three of your four years in high school, you guys won the state championship. Yeah. Yeah. So three, three state championships in a row. What year for you did you guys not win? My senior year. Oh, didn't win my senior year. We should have won my senior year, but you know, we, we were on a roll, but we had some unfortunate things happen and we should have, we should have won in my senior year too. Yeah. Yeah. Was that a, a bit of a drag? It was, man. It was a, it was a drag. It was a it was a drag cuz we had uh really high expectations and then you know we went into the playoffs and and lost, you know, what can you do? But um it was a good time and you know you learned you learned a lot through that, but uh yeah. Good time, so. Yeah. Same coach though all 4 years. Same coach all 4 years. Nice. I'll get I'll get this conversation back on track. That was I was just curious. The three of four struck me and wanted to know which year was the one year. So the senior year, the one. The senior year. Left out with a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but then you're looking forward to moving on to the Air Force. So that kind of talks about you know, that falls right into what we're talking about here. And that, you know, are you looking to the past or are you looking to the future and what's gonna be you know, is the best behind you or in front of you? And for me, I I break my life down a little bit. And like I have, I have kind of like my pre-high school years and then I have high school and then I have like the college years, like kind of that covers between like 18 and 24. And then I have to 30 and it was just kind of like this, how life segmented itself for me between growing up leaving home, going to college in my 20s, and then got married at 29. So that moved me into the next portion of my life. And when, for me, it's easy to say, like, the best is yet to come, because that's how I lived my life for so long. Uh, We've talked about this on uh, past episodes in that I lived my life in survival mode for so many years that, you know, mentally, it's, man, I sure hope those weren't the best years, because those weren't so great. And, you know, just the way I was brought up and raised, um, you know, kind of that pre-high school time and, you know, the alcohol and the violence that was in the house, you know, I wanted that time in high school to be better. And and I would say that it was better, but it was only better is because I got my license and I kind of could separate myself more on a regular basis from, from home. But then if you look at high school, like I went to four high schools in four years but never really moved out of the area. So there's just a ton of instability. And so the first time I had any kind of stability or regularity to my schedule was when I went to college and that I stayed at the same school. And so for me to look at those years uh, and to try to look back on and say, Oh, were those the best years? Well, it's easy for me to say they weren't. And I knew whatever was to come had to be better than that. And with that being said, was did you have that mindset that the best years are to come or did you did you have to develop that or were you, you know, were you thinking things were going to stay the same? No, I knew things I knew things were going to be better. Um, Now, if you know, you always talk about how you swing the pendulum, you know, the other direction. So I knew things were going to be better. So a lot of but I didn't know what 
you know, I didn't know how to put a plan in place. I didn't know how to structure anything. I just figured life was going to be better, but I had grown to where I felt life came to me. I didn't go to life. So whatever happened to me was either random or by chance, or at certain points in my life, it was God's will for my life that that happened that way. And, you know, that whole, is it God's will or how much responsibility do I have in it? That's could be probably a whole other podcast episode or probably a year's worth of podcast episodes. But so I just kind of let life happen. And so if it happened better then it happened better uh, and, but I never had a plan, but what I always got to look for was it's a fresh start. And so I was always looking at my life as fresh starts. You go to, uh, so I went to four high schools in four years. So I went to, uh, I don't remember the exact, I think I went to, in eight years, I went to nine different schools. And so I was always, I always had a fresh start. I always had first impressions to make and I could always, you know, but I never established anything. So for me, it was, it was always whatever was out in front of me was going to be better. And so I have been able to carry that on in my life. And even as um, I've gotten older and now I have, you know, I have good goals and I have a much better base than I have ever had. Like I still see, you know, what I'm working on and the things that I'm doing in my life are going to be for a reason to make that better. And that's kind of the the thing too. I think you're, we're always evolving, right? And so that's one of the other uh, topics that came up for me is, is you're either evolving or you're dying essentially like that's just that's like a law of the universe basically is you know evolution you're either evolving getting better or you're never staying the same you know you're either going forward or you're going backwards you're either going up or you're going down there's no even keel uh as they say and so that's what i kind of hear in that in that story is like you you know there's new beginnings you were you know you're evolving yourself the best the best is yet to come you always knew it was there and so that was kind of my thoughts with uh you know developing kind of what to think about on this on this episode is um are you looking in the past you know are you evolving from that so no matter what happens if it's positive or negative you know we have to move forward from that and if it's positive and we just stay with that positive and don't do anything with it, you know, we're not going to evolve. And also if it's negative as well, you know, and so um, a lot of times I like, you know, we think about it from the positive sense of things. But even as you move, as you move forward, you know, you've got you've got to be evolving on as well. Yeah, definitely. got you got to be pushing that forward at all times. And I think where this really this conversation happens a lot. Not, it definitely wasn't an appropriate show. And I don't even know if you'll remember it, but uh, the show married with children. I love that show. Okay. See, there you go. So you had Al Bundy, you know, hand in his pants and sitting back talking about, you know, scoring six touchdowns in one game. And so for Al, you know, his best years were behind him. And uh, that definitely showed itself out. Or like uh, I think about, uh, Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't remember exactly what that is, but basically it's like he could throw a football over them, their mountains, right? Is that yeah. He could throw, like, you know, throw a pigskin a quarter mile. And if coach, and would if have, coach uh, had put him in. And so he was still living in the past, you know, driving his van, living in the past that he should have been put in that game. Cause he was the quarterback for it. So 
this topic or this idea tends to come up in sports. And I think that's probably why uh, you maybe had a bent towards talking about this is that because you live in the town that you won three state championships in. And so I'm sure that this, this is a conversation that you've had or the fact that you went on to play at the air force <clears throat> that you went to play on at the, that you went to play at the air force Academy. I'm sure people like to talk about that. Yeah. People love talking about that. And, and the people that, you know, so the guys, as you get into, as you get into the uh, air, you know, as you get into the guys that I actually played ball with, those conversations don't really, don't really come up. And so that's what got me thinking about it is like the contrast uh, between those conversations, you know, and even, even after the air force, you know, I had the opportunity to play in the NFL as well, you know? And so just those conversations that I have with those folks, especially the guys that, you know, played in the league or whatever else there, there, a lot of conversations don't come up about, you know, high school ball or, they do, but they're just, they're different types of conversations. And so what really got me thinking about it is how, how we use our past and how that kind of propels us into the, you know, propels us into the future and just what are the differences in those conversations. And so that's really what I wanted to kind of pull out, you know, for this, for this episode. And so those were, that was kind of the thing that I was, that I was thinking about is like, you know, talking about the past and sitting there does not help us move forward and, and, you know, progress into the future, I guess is what I would say. Well, when you're talking, it's got me thinking about two different groups of people I have in my life. One would be uh, you like Sergio and coach Tim Adams, and you guys all went to the air force Academy and I've been around you with a couple of your friends from the air force Academy. Who's the guy that's out in Arizona that runs the gyms. Oh, Mike, Mike. So, you know, we went out to dinner the one time as a group. And so uh, I see your group. And then I also have uh, a group of guys that I know I'm real close with. They're actually, they coach my son's uh, 14U baseball team. And three of the coaches all, played college ball. One of them played at university of Michigan. The other two played at Eastern Michigan university, but all three got drafted. One went on to play rookie ball. One played for a couple of seasons in the minors. And then one uh, played uh, like three or four years in the minors and he was on track to, to make it and he got injured and, and that kind of derailed that plan for him. Um, but these guys are together. And so you guys have similar conversations in that you don't really share a lot of the the stories that I would say outsiders want to hear. Like they don't talk about gameplay or, you know, the stories of the team where that group and then the then you, Sergio and Tim, tend to talk about people and the relationships. So when you're in it, it's the relationships, not the situation or not the circumstance that seemed to be a big deal years down the road, at least for those two groups of guys. Cause I'm sure there's groups of guys out there that are, you know, you know, in the past talk, you know, they talk about the past like Al Bundy or uncle Rico, but for the two groups that come to mind, it's about the relationships. They always talk about like the people. And I would agree with that. Yeah. As you're, t- as you're talking through there, those are the the fondest memories that, that kind of come up. And so 
I think if you are, you know, it, it is different perspectives as well. So yeah, I do think, it, I think that is absolutely true because, you know, if, when you're in it, you're, I, it's not that you take it for granted, but you're, you're just in it. So you're not wanting to, wanting to be there. And so then, you know, with one, you've actually done it, the most important thing to you when you're in it, it are those relationships because you're fighting with each other, you're struggling with each other, you went through practice with each other and, and all of those things. So that, that totally, totally makes sense on that, on that, uh, from that standpoint there. So, uh, for sure. But, um, yeah, so I think, but the, the thing that I really like, I guess really wanted to want to bring out is just how do we, how do we create, I guess, create a future too from that, right. From our past, past experiences, don't get stuck in our past, but be able to use that and be able to progress, progress forward as well, you know? And so as we reflect, like, it's always good to, to think about, you know, great memories that you had in the past, but just not living there, I guess, is really kind of the, the crux of what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think it's hard to, that's a, that's a hard thing, I'm sure, for uh, some people that have had some great things happen to them. I think you see it with professional athletes in a lot of instances where once they stop playing that they weren't ready to stop playing. And so they're stuck in that. They're not, you know, they're not as, you know, popular or they, you know, they don't have a vision for the future. So they have to live in that life that, that brought them to their heights. I think you see it uh, like it comes out with uh, certain military guys, you know, cause they had such great feelings and felt like a belong, you know, they had, and, and I still, I think it comes down to that relationship. Like, like for military guys or athletes, like the, the, the feelings that they had as part of the community I think are what drives the, you know, those feelings, those emotions. It's not necessarily what it is they did, um, but it's the, the, the sense of I belong to something. I was part of that community and we were important. And so how do you get past that? Yeah, I think what you said there is vision, right? So that's, that's one thing that I really see. And, you know, I've actually been talking about this with one of the groups that I'm in uh, that we meet weekly on is our, our vision. So like, what is your vision? And so like when you're in high school, like when we, when you're in Midland, Texas, like growing up as a young, you know, as a young boy in Midland, it was all, it was all about football here. Right. And so everybody wanted to be a lead football player. So you start playing in peewee football and then, you know, once you get in peewee football, then you go to junior high and the high school guys would come down to the junior high and they would talk to us there. And then we would go to the games on Friday nights and see them playing and all that. And so I think you Friday need night lights, Friday night lights. That's exactly right, man. Like this town would be shut down. You know, we'd either be here. We'd either be playing in Midland that weekend or the other school from across town would be playing. So. Uh, one team would be playing and the whole town would be there watching, you know, watching them play or we'd be out of town with the other team playing. But my point there is like you have a vision, right? And if you're when you're in high school, that's the vision. And then once once you get to that point and you graduate, like our coach would tell us, you know, the last game or whatever, he would he would say it to be like some of you guys like this is your last football game ever. So he's like, enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like this is what it's about. 
And then some of you, very few of you are going to go on to play college football, you know, and then then once you get to the end of your college days, you have that exact same conversation. This is for the seniors. This is their last game or whatever else. And so I think building that vision, obviously, when you're on a team, that vision is there, but that also has an expiration. Right. And so I think after that expires, like, what do we do after that? Do you create another vision, you know? Do you have to have a vision for your life? How do you, you know, how do you get there? And so I think that's kind of the work that you have to do in order to keep moving forward. And, you know, usually, and I think that's kind of what you were talking about, right? Being proactive versus reactive. Well, if you're a boy in Midland, Texas, like that was basically the planted seed is you're going to play football for the Lee Rebels. You want to be a Lee Rebel football player. And then you didn't sometimes... Some people might have thought that through. I know I didn't. I just, you know, got blessed with that and was born here in Midland, Texas. It came out and it happened. And then as I grew and matured and got around some different people that helped me realize, you know, I need to start building a vision for my life, then you can kind of build it out from there. But I think vision, like you said, is is really the key. Do you have a long-term vision or is it like a short-term with an expiration? I think that's why so many people that have like natural ability in athletics, uh, especially like on the high school level, sports speaks to this because the uh, your goals are fairly short in the in a time frame. You know, our goal is to win a state championship this year. Our goal is to win eight of eleven games. Our goal, like you know it's easy to make the goals. And then it's also sports are one of those things that it's easy to figure out if you attained the goal, you know, you know, when we talk about, you know, when we're at some of these events, we're talking about living your dream and having success, you know, there's, there's a disconnect between like this, you know, everybody uses sports analogies. Well, to me, it's because it's an easy analogy, you know, it's not as clear on the business side to me as it is in the sports side. And it's also a, like the, you know, equate like a listing appointment to like a football game. I guess you, you know, on the end, if you got the listing appointment and you know, if you won the game, but like prepping for it has a complete different look. And we're like, I think we have a bent towards wanting to talk about sports in this arena because it has, it's a very clear picture. That was one of the hardest struggles for me whenever I went from, you know, being in the military or even being playing football was going to business, right? How do you take those skills that you learned in sports and then have them convert over into the business world or what you do outside of just playing sports? Like that was the hardest thing. And so that's one reason why I gravitated towards who is, you know, one of our people that we listen to, his name's Bo Eason, right? He used to be a, a safety in the NFL. And then he went to being like one of the greatest actors or playwrights, but he talks about having a tent. What's his plan? 20 year plan, 20 year 20, vision. Yeah. 20 year plan. Right. And so that's funny. That's who I was sitting here thinking of. I literally just sitting here thinking of Bo. Exactly. And so I think he's done a really good job of taking what he learned in the NFL and like applying it to something else. It's not even to his business, too, because he's got a business as well. Being an actor, I would say, is not the same as running a business. Uh, 
like one for one as in apples to apples, but he, I'm sure he's done the same thing with his coaching, coaching business as well. And so he's done a really good job of transferring those skills he learned in the, uh, in the NFL and transferring over to business, which is one thing that I really connected with from Kevin, you know, Kevin Ward, you know, he, yep. and I think he got one of his stories from Bo you know, from going from being an amateur to being a pro. And that was like one thing that I could really connect with. And so in, in business, you know, he talks about, you know, not doing things like a professional, you know, coming in, waking up every day, having a schedule, doing things like a pro and not like an amateur. You don't do things because your emotions tell you to do them. You do them because they got to get done, you know? And so those are some of the things that, you know, I kind of resonate with, you know, going from those two kind of aspects. Yeah. Bo talks, you know, about you have a, you know, you have your vision, you have your plan and then you have to prepare and then you execute. And he's pretty adamant on all three. And, but he puts, you know, I would say probably 90% of the effort is in that prepare. Like he's really good at that. He, you know, Bo told the story about it was, and it was the end of his career. He's playing for San Francisco. He took a hit, uh, blew his knee out. He was getting carted off, and he knew that was his last game. And he even says, all right, I have to figure out where I'm going to put all this passion and energy into and find something besides football. Otherwise, you know, I, my, you know I'm going to ruin my life. Bad things are going to happen in my life if I can't find a place to put this energy. And that's where he ended up. Uh, you know, on Broadway. And I think that's the hard part, right? When you've been, for one, if you've been successful at a high level and then like what's next, and especially if it ends abruptly, right? And even if you haven't, even if you don't think what you've done is is succeeded at a high level, like the way to think about it is just transitions, right? When one, when one door or one, thing that you've done comes to an end how do you transition to the next to the next thing and so i think that is really a key skill that we have to develop and keep doing which is part of that the evolving part that i was kind of speaking about earlier is like we have to be consistently evolving we have to be consistently moving forward and we do otherwise if you're not consistently moving forward and looking to to improve that, then, you know, maybe the best isn't yet to come. Uh, you know, we, one of the conversations that we just started having this week uh, in our house is where you're at the beginning of your uh, parenting, I'm on the tail end of it. So we just, uh, our second child just moved out. And so we have one kid at home and he's 14. And we threw out there the other day, oh, he's the class of 2025 man, 2025 is not that far off. And now, uh, you know, it was how she was just joking around. She goes, oh, and then it's just going to be the two of us. How are we going to do that? You know, and so that's a whole different, we haven't had to consider that. It's not, I'm mean, not concerned about it at all. It's going to be an awesome transition, but it just hasn't been part of our plan. So we haven't had to think about how, what that looks like. And it's good that you're having that conversation now, right? Because that is a part of the vision. So once Coop moves out, you know, that's a hard, you know, as I talk to people too, I just take mental notes. That's a hard transition for people, 
you know, like once their kids move out, like when you first get married and now as you've gone all the way to when your kids move out, like you're different people, you know what I mean? And so I think that's a hard transition for people and for you to be thinking about that. And what is the vision for that? And what do you want that to look like? Like that is a key, a small shift, but like a huge shift. Well, that's a huge shift. Cause right now, if you think about it, so one of us has to take him to school and one of us has to pick him up. I pretty well handle majority of what he does athletically. And I mean, the kid is because we were on shutdown. Um, he literally just went back to in-person school this week. Uh, we made, uh, we made a shift. We, we pulled him out of the public school, put him in a private school so he could go in person. And so we've been trying to keep him active out of the home. And so literally he, he's got, Strength and conditioning Mondays and Fridays. He does speed and agility Tuesdays and Thursdays. He has hitting lessons uh, Wednesday. Then he goes to church after that. And then he has practice in church on Sunday. And so like the kid is like my part-time job. I am, dri- I am, you know, I am driving him somewhere and waiting for him somewhere uh, uh, for a lot of hours. And so you just even think like the logistics that will change when he can drive or when he's not going to be here. And, you know, so those are big shifts when you don't, because, you know, one of the things we do is we chase him around now, you know, he'll play probably 40 to 50 baseball games this summer. And so Holly and I'll be at every one of those. And so that's the, we go to those together. Those Now there's 40 or 50 nights in a summer or weekends that, all right, now what does that look like? And so I think it's going to take a plan. Exactly. Will be a major, major shift in, in how things go. And so that's the proactive, reactive, you know, side as well. Like you can be reactive and wait until all those things happen. And then once it happens, you know, you, and then you probably will feel like you don't have any control over anything. But if you're thinking about those things now and how you want to transition into those things, it's going to be I'm not going to say it's going to be easier because it, I don't think it necessarily makes it easier, but you will uh, have a better idea of where you want to go and you can adjust, you know? Well, and that's part of my, as we, as I've worked over the last couple of years, developing my why and, you know, what are some things that motivates me and drives me to be successful in real estate is that I want to have the ability, monetarily speaking, that when my kids are all gone, no matter where they're at, I'm going to have the ability to go to them to go and visit them, to go hang out with them, to go spend time with them, to vacation with them, to, um, they may not know that yet, but I'm going to be there. And so, but that's going to, I don't want to be restricted because I don't have the money. You know, if Keegan happens to still be down in Nashville and it's their birth, you know, it's his birthday and I want to go to Nashville for his birthday. I just want to be able to go to Nashville for his birthday. 100%. 100%. I want to be able to go to Nashville too because I want to get some hot chicken. Oh, it's just down there in December when I moved him down. I definitely uh, made Hattie B's a stop. Yeah, you, you got to stop at Hattie B's, you know? Yeah. And I just found out. So their wedding is February 28th, and the families are renting a couple big Airbnbs. And so, majority of the people are going to be pretty close to each other. And so, one of the lunches, is they're bringing in Hattie B's. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. I don't get jealous about a lot of things, but I'm I'm jealous of that one for sure. Yeah. 
and I don't I don't brag about a lot of things, but when I'm eating at Hattie B's, you're definitely going to get a picture of it. Yeah, I had another friend. He was in Nashville, and he was talking about. No, he was in Atlanta. I think they have a Hattie B's in Atlanta as well, and he mentioned it, and it just my radar was just going off. So that is just a plug. I don't I don't get paid for saying that, but if yeah. you're ever in Nashville, you got to try Hattie B's yeah. and get you some hot chicken. Definitely good. I've been reading this book, right? Principles by Ray Dalio. And one of the things that he has, he's, he's written in here in his book, I think really applies to this as well. And he says, pain plus reflection equals progress. And so no matter what we're doing, he says, there's, there's no avoiding pain, especially if you're like, if you've got ambitious goals or anything or if you're moving forward and not like sitting in the past you're always always going to have pain and so just to come to that realization that and rather than running from pain you should actually just it should just become a reflex to know that there's going to be pain and then reflect on that because that's the way we learn that's the way we get better and so pain plus reflection equals progress and so what he says is you should go to the pain rather than avoiding it and if you don't you know he says if you don't let up on yourself and instead become comfortable always operating with some level of pain you will evolve at a faster pace and so i you know i think we get into this mindset especially here in america like we don't like pain and we don't like we're always trying to avoid it or if you get injured like there's a pill you can take to like stop the pain yeah. or to do anything else. And so I think we have a culture of trying to eliminate pain, but what you have to understand, and we understand this in the sports world is that without pain, there is no progress. And so I think embracing that, and he was even saying, you know, as you exercise, you actually start to become, you start to like, like the pain, like you don't actually like it, but you know that after the pain, there's going to come progress. And so you come to embrace it. And so I think that's like an important concept to like be thinking about as well as we like, as we're talking through this. Yeah, Jocko. So, you know, I just finished the book Extreme Ownership by Jocko Wellings. And he talks about that a little bit. And I think he gets irritated how uh, some guys talk about the Navy SEALs and Bud's training. Cause he always says, you know, Bud's is no big deal. Like that is the, entry level interview for our job for everybody that's in the seals that's the bare minimum and so he talks about it you know for the guys that excel in the seals it it has nothing to do with the physical everybody has the physical ability and everything has to do with how you mentally handle the physical part that's the difference in, in, I think that's just like a, a, a law, like, right. There's only, there's only a certain, there's only a certain way to do a few things. And, and so the formula for being, you know, successful in real estate is the same across the board. The question is, is how quickly are you going to do it? Or how are you going to essentially what I was just talking about overcome pain, because you're going to have a plan. And, and even in the coaching programs that we're in, I would say everybody almost has the exact same plan. But the problem is, is that the way it plays out and the circumstances that come in is what keeps you from, you know, actually executing the plan. It could be something in life. You could get sick. It could be something, 
you know, with your clients, or it could be COVID, it could be anything. But the question is, how do you respond to that and then get back onto the plan and then even, you know, proceed further down the plan that, that makes it, that makes you successful in that sense. And so that's exactly right. Like Jocko is exactly right. How you deal with it, how you overcome it, what is, you know, in buds, they're like, you know, they basically drown you and bring you back to life and all that. So it's like, how do you respond to being basically being killed to being drowned? Because yeah. <laughs> if that's me, a lot of people are like, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. And then other people are like, well, you I basically drowned once now I have nothing to fear, you know, you can do whatever you want to me. Mm-hmm. And so that is like, crucial, crucial concept. Yeah, that kind of brings up my favorite quote by Mike Tyson. You know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Man, that is that is so true, man. I I I've actually lived that, and so like I don't know how many people have like boxed before, especially or if you box somebody that's really really good or that you like, and they punch you in the face. It's like okay. I know how to box, but I don't like getting punched in the face. <laughs> yep. And it's really bad when you can't stop them from punching in the face, punching you in the face. Cause when you're fighting somebody and they're in front of you, it's like, you can see them bring the, their fist back and you can see it coming at your face and you're like, Oh, I'll just move out the way. And you can't get out the way. And it's like, bam. And it's like, okay, that's going to happen again. What do I do now? And so that's like, yeah, that is that boxing awesome. and you do jujitsu boxing and jujitsu. Yeah. Well, the reason why I do that is because that it's a metaphor for my life, you know? And so if I can do it in jujitsu or boxing, I can definitely do it, you know, for my family and, and in business. So now that you've been choked out once you're good to go. I am good to go, man. I ain't scared of being choked out, man. Yeah. Just go to sleep for a little bit. And you wake up. So this idea of, you know, you live in your life behind you or in front of you. And sounds like the way it's coming out is that, if you're, when you're thinking about the things that are behind you, the relationships are the most important thing. You got the lessons, what you've learned, and you're gonna move forward with it. But the relationships, at least to me, are the most important thing. Uh, now I understand there's like skills and lessons I've learned that I want to move forward, but to me, definitely the relationships would be the priority to me. And then if you're looking out in front of you. It comes down to the plan. And I think this is where I've gotten some clarity. Like I got here, you can probably hear my paper rustling. So, I mean, it's like always within arm's reach of me. It's the um, first time I've in my life, I'm consistently living. uh, And I have in front of me a three-year picture of my life and what it looks like. And it's um, um, what's in front of me is got a lot of personal stuff, but it's got a lot of business stuff. But the reason it has a lot of personal stuff is because that's the motivation behind the real estate stuff. And so having a clear picture definitely assists in having that better life out in front of us. Because I look at that and I know I'm going to have to put the work in to be able to make the rest of my life better than the, you know, the first part of my life. Yeah. And that's one thing we've, uh, I've been talking through with, uh, my coaches as well, because once you've been successful, like you, you have goals and then you have success. And sometimes when you have success, you actually have more success than you thought you were going to have. 
And so then you start to get comfortable, right? You start to get into this comfortable state. And so I think you're, you're exactly right. It's like, you need that three-year plan and then you need like the fuel behind the three-year plan is what I think about is what is actually fueling that. Because once you achieve something that you never thought you could achieve, it's hard to like move forward to what's next, you know? And then how do you make that tangible and make that so, or make it like desirable for you to where you want to get up every day and wake up and like actually move to get that. So yep. I think that's, that's awesome. And then I'm also in the process of taking it outside of that three years. Like I've got a pretty good idea of what I want the five year to be. And I'm kind of starting to get some clarity on the 10 year, but as for somebody that has lived, you know, day to day for, you know, the first 45 years of my life, this has been a definite process. Uh, it's been a lot of work trying to get out of that mentality to be able to look that far out in the future. And to me, three years is a, is a pretty, it doesn't seem like a lot of time. And, and then and then mentally it's getting to be a lot less time, but at one point thinking out, what am I going to do or what am I going to be doing in three years? I mean, that could have been 30 years the way I was looking at it then. That's the hard part too, right? So every, when we were out, you know, doing these exercises in another coaching group, you know, our coach would always say like, that's the work, right? Cause it'd be like, well, what do you want? Like, why, what do you want? And so the thing that I come to came to find out as I was doing these exercises is a lot of the stuff that I was like, writing my vision towards what wasn't really things that I wanted. It was just things that I had seen other people, you know, other people achieve. And then I was like, Oh, that'd be kind of cool. I, cool. I want to do that. I want to do yeah. that too. And then you start doing it and you're like, that's actually not, that's not that cool. And that's not what I want. <laughs> like, so like that is the hard part is like finding out what do you really want? Because you're look, you watch TV and you look on Instagram and you watch on Facebook and like people are doing all these different things. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, that seems like it could be cool. But you really have to do some work to find out what do you really want? What does that actually mean to you and your family? Because, you know, when you're married and have kids, you know, all of that factors in, you know. And so that's hard, even though it doesn't seem like that's hard. That is really hard. Oh, it's been a much longer process getting to this three-year plan than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So I really like the way, you know, where this, the conversation went, it, it, this took a little bit a different turn than I thought it was going to, but I think kind of what we talked about, what we fleshed out is, is really good. You know, you, you gave your reflections a little bit. The piece that I'm pulling out of this is really vision. You know, what is your vision and how do you keep that long-term vision? So even thinking about what Bo has taught us, you know, that's with your 20-year plan, that 20-year plan is so important. Yeah, and I think it's important, like, I, to, I don't know if this is the time or place to bring it up, but because I get to decide if it is, I'm going to bring it up. The one thing that intrigues me about Bo is, so Bo is showing me that you have to be consistent because you're not just improving your life, you're improving your kids' lives and their kids' lives. And so Bo had a lot of support from his parents. And then so Bo has taken that, basically put a magnifying glass on it, and he's giving a lot more support to his kids. And so 
Bo took that support and the belief that his parents had in him and then he's built that up and now he's passing that along. And so as you're talking about building the legacy, it's not just about you. It's about becoming a better player than your parents. Like uh, I might not be the most valuable player at the end of it, but I want to be the most improved player. And I want that same thing from my kids. Yeah. I love that for sure. I just, I love it. And I love the the evolution part of it. Right. So we're either evolving or we're dying. Like that's, that's just it, you know? And so I think that's the heart of what you're saying there again is, you know, you're evolving. You want it, you want to be better. And, you know, as you do that, you learning and you're getting better day by day. So it's good. So this has been a great one. Uh, really just kind of remember that we just need to be looking out in front of us and really understanding that we can make it better, not, not looking behind us and that, that those are the best years. So we're going to take a quick break for our segment feature called Time to Invest. This week on Time to Invest, you're going to get both Jacoby and I hanging out. And what I wanted to do this week is just have us quickly go through the last deal that we came across, the last off-market deal that we were part of and just kind of give you a breakdown of where it came from and what we did with it. What was your last one, Jacoby? Yeah, so the last deal that I had, it was actually, um, we do a lot of marketing for off-market properties, properties that are vacant and properties that have a lot of equity in them. And so there's different ways to market for those properties, but um, we do that and the person, the owner also has to be out of state. And so we look for vacant properties with a lot of equity with an owner that is out of state. And so I had a individual who's from Missouri. She gave me a call. She was an elderly lady. Uh, she said, Hey, I got this house. Uh, I got your letter and I was wondering what you want to offer for this house. Well, I hadn't seen the house. So I went by, uh, and looked at the house. I told her what I do. I let her know I'm also a realtor and an investor. If I list your house, this was, is what you could make. And if I purchased your house myself, I have to be able to purchase it at a price where I can make a profit. And uh, I told her the price that uh, we could purchase it for. Now, the price that I could purchase it for was actually less than what she could have listed it for and sold it on the market. But she decided she wanted me to buy it anyway. She said, I just feel like I should, I should sell the property to you. And I was going to fix the house up. And that the price you're telling me is basically in line with what I was going to have to do if I wanted to fix it and sell it and do that whole thing. Even though she could have put it on the market and made more money with it, she just didn't want to hassle with it. So we just uh, we came to her and uh, made that made uh, made her the offer, wrote the contract up, and uh, you know bought it. And then we ended up putting it back on the market and selling it. Awesome. My last deal was uh, we mail probates and, or, you know, so if somebody opens a probate file in the state or actually we pull it by county uh, that they go on a list and the, the property goes on the list and also the executor of the estate plus the attorney typically are on the file. So what we do is we mail the executor of it's the executor of the state or uh, the representative for the probate is who's going to get the mail. And so we send that mail out. Um, I mail that list regularly because sometimes probate can take some time. So that list will typically get a mailer from me every two weeks. And I got a call. Uh, hey, you got your mailer. 
uh, you're one of six people that I'm going to give a call to today that have been mailing me, but you mailed me first. So I called you first, asked him, when can we meet over at the house? He said, I'm actually on my way there now. I said, I will be there. Uh, so I had to work, move a couple things around to meet him at the house, went over, took a look at the house, asked him what he was looking to get for it. He, he happened to have the price that the attorney said that they needed to get for the house. And that was within the window of what we were willing to pay. And so we were able to put that one under contract. Now it took a little bit of time as probate court currently is moving a little bit slow, but it helped us to get in a position. And so we just uh, took that one. We just closed on that one and uh, we closed last Tuesday and we had the demo crew in on Wednesday. And so that one's moving right along. And so it looks like we, you did your absentee, your vacant property, absentee, out of state, high equity was the list that you pulled and I'm working probate. So those are the last two deals. If you guys have any questions at all about how we get those lists or what it is that we're doing to, to grow that investment business, hit us up. Definitely uh, you can send us a message. You know, you can always catch us on our Facebook group, Success Without Sacrifice. But if you just look around, there's a ton of ways that you can get a hold of us. We'd love to talk about investing and we'd love to help you out. All right. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the feature there, Time to Invest. And so uh, we've really enjoyed uh, this topic that we had here today. Just talking a little bit about have your best years already passed or your best years yet to come? And so here, what I really want to challenge you listening to this podcast on this episode is, is do you have a vision statement for your, basically for your life, you know, all encompassing? What are you looking to the future for? Or like we talked about a 20 year plan, what is your 20 year plan? And so moving forward, developing something that is going to help you here in the future, take your past and move and progress into the future. And so a couple of things we talked about uh, on the episode are, you know, you're always evolving. You're either evolving or you're dying. And then also like to embrace pain, like pain is going to come whenever you're, whenever you're moving forward. So reflection plus pain equals progress. And the other thing we spoke about is Jerry's just finished up reading uh, Jocko's book, Extreme Ownership talked about a little bit of story about buds and the process there and just how like, you know, every doing buds is just the entrance exam and uh, getting through that is basically the mental portion. Like, how are you going to get through buds mentally? Like that is the part you have to develop in order to get through buds. And then also uh, principles by Ray Dalio has a lot of good, uh, good points in that book about, uh, principles as far as moving forward with your life. And so he's the, he is where we came up with the idea of pain plus reflection equals progress. And so those are really good resources that you can look to uh, if you're looking for a little bit more uh, information on this topic. And so hope you enjoyed this episode. You can connect with us on our Facebook page, Success Without Sacrifice. And once again, we if you enjoyed what you're hearing there, we just ask that you leave us a five-star rating and review. And we look forward to talking to you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you get notification of all new episodes.